brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Welcome, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm here with the Don, John McMullen, and I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II. We appreciate you guys for locking in. Man, it's Super Bowl week. We're here, you guys. We're here. And we couldn't have asked for anything more. Your Philadelphia Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57 at that. And not too far away from Super Bowl 52 when they took it home and beat the New England Patriots. But can they beat Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs? John, first and foremost, before we get too deep into the nitty-gritty, how are you feeling this evening, my man? I know, you, I know you've been doing a lot of grinding these past several hours. 
Yeah, um, it's the Super Bowl, really. I, I hadn't heard. Yeah, the hype is, is fully ramped up. Uh, Super Bowl opening night uh, tonight. Um, so that's exciting, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> when are you actually heading down there? I, I am not going in till, until later in the week, uh, Friday. So okay. um, I get to miss all the nonsense, as all Sean Jeffrey would call it. And uh, <laughs> happy to be in there for the game. Definitely, man. This game is, you know, I've, I've been saying it all week and for, for the past few weeks, actually, you know, this matchup is the matchup that the people deserve. Number one seed versus number one seed. The best team in the AFC versus the best team in the NFC, right? And a lot of people thought the Bengals would overtake the Chiefs as being the best team in the AFC, but the AF, but the Chiefs had to remind the Bengals, uh, you guys still have a long way to go until you're you know, on our level, right? Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they took care of business against the Giants and the 49ers. But, you know, both these teams, it's interesting. They have a different dynamic for each respective team. The Eagles are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Some would say the most complete team in the NFL. And then the Kansas City Chiefs are pretty much top-heavy, like we've talked about before, um, having Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Chris Jones, so on and so forth. And after that, it's just pretty much a bunch of a bunch of dudes. You know, no offense to those guys. But, you know, when you look at this matchup on paper, you know, what do you know, you know, what are the things that jump out to you? Well, exactly that. I've been talking about it. The the Chiefs are very, very top-heavy, and the Eagles are more well-rounded. But I, I got to tell you, you know, if you want to bring it back locally, I'd look at those great Phillies teams, and, you know, you could argue that uh, Jimmy Rollins was the most well-rounded player, but I, I can tell you Ryan Howard, the home run hitter, was the more important player. So anytime you get players like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, they can they can win games uh, on their own. So, you know, it, it, it's a very difficult um, matchup for the Eagles. It's certainly their most difficult matchup. You know, it's crazy. Both teams are 16 and three. Both teams have scored 546 points exactly. Both, both teams have six all pros, including uh, a Kelsey brother and the quarterback. <laughs> um, and each are, as you mentioned, the, the NFL's number one seeds on both sides. So it's almost a mirror. The only difference I say is, the Eagles sixteen. The Eagles are sixteen and one with their starting quarterback, uh, and and that's a, a slight difference to me. But you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in this game. He's the best player in the world, and if you take him lightly, you're gonna you're gonna rue that day. So the Eagles got to be prepared, got to be ready to go, got to bring their A game. This matchup kind of reminds me of. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but uh, that old Spider-Man meme with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. This is yeah. this is this is kind of what that matchup is. Like you said, on paper, everything is identical. The amount of points scored, the ca- having a Kelsey brother, all pros all across the board. Both of these teams are quite literally identical, but they play the game differently, right? The Chiefs lean on Patrick Mahomes to make plays and do a lot of myth, magic, and mysticism in that pocket, and. The Eagles, on the other hand, 
they have so many other ways to beat you. They can beat you with the defense, you know, the pass rush, the DBs can have a great day and score on you. Uh, they have the, they have the running game. Uh, Jalen Hurts can beat you with his arm now. You know, they, they, they have so many different ways that they can beat you. And both of these guys, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, they were MVP candidates, right? You know, it's how, how often do these kind of matchups even come about, especially in the Super Bowl? Yeah, not very often. Uh, usually you have an upset somewhere along the way, and it's not as evenly matched. So it is rare. You know, maybe you're going to start to see it a little bit more because, you know, the NFL once had two two by teams, you know, before they expanded the playoffs to seven teams. Um, now that it's only one, it's become an even bigger advantage for that number one seed. Now, didn't work out that way last year, though. Um, so, but I think moving forward, I think that is such a huge advantage. I think you're going to see it more and more. That's one of those probably unintended consequences that the NFL might kind of be upset about a couple years down the line if things get too predictable. Um but hey, we we are where we are, um, and it's no surprise we are where we are, um, and we'll see. I mean, that's the beauty. They get to play on the field, but um, it, it's an interesting matchup for a number of different reasons, and it probably starts – there's so many narratives, just so many obvious narratives with, you know, the Kelsey brothers, Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni. Andy, you know, being here, Nick being there, um, crossing paths like ships in the night, Andy coming in as Nick's leaving. Um, so many different things. Um, and and the, the mirrored image of number one seed, same point, same record. Um, yeah, that never happens. So that part of it never happens. And they, but you, you're right. They went about it in different ways. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Think about, think about losing Tyreek Hill, and and by the way, it's not like Tyreek Hill had a bad year in Miami. Still, arguably the most dynamic receiver in football, and he throws for five thousand two hundred fifty yards, a career high. <laughs> 41 touchdowns, which wasn't a career high, but that's only because his career high is 50. Um, 105 passer rating. I mean, you know, this guy has never, um, since he's taken over as the starter, he has never uh, won less than 11 games. And that was his low point because he was injured for a couple games. Uh, he was 12 and four, 11 and three, 14 and one, 12 and five, 14 and three. Wow. I mean, that's kind of Peyton Manny esque. Yeah. Uh, five for five, five championship games, third Super Bowl in four years, and he's only 27 years old. This is, this is, you know, there's a long way to go when you're talking about longevity. And the greatest of all time, having seven Super Bowls, it's a long way to go. But through five NFL seasons, we've never seen 
a player like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the, yeah, his his approach to the position is uh, extremely uncanny. Um, I want to kind of um, take a step back really, really quickly. You you brought up Nick Sirianni and the Andy Reid connection, and we know those both of those guys are linked by way of Harry Roseman. Obviously, Harry Roseman worked with Andy, now works with Nick Sirianni. And you know, I was reading your article about Nick Sirianni and Harry Roseman's budding bromance or their budding relationship, and it it couldn't help. It, it made me think about you know, Howie's relationships in the past, right? He wasn't really known for maintaining the best of relationships. He, his, his name wasn't really, you know, and, and you can, you probably could tell, you know, tell a lot better than I could, but Howie Roseman, you can make an argument. His priority wasn't really necessarily culturing or n- nurturing relationships rather. Um, the, the, the relationship between him and Doug Peterson deteriorated, deteriorated rather quickly. Um, all because they had a difference of opinion on how the team should, you know, should be ran going forward um, in terms of roster construction, um, staffing, and so on and so forth. But, you know, Nick Sirianni, when he came in, uh, he's he's been very intentional about establishing relationship more than anything. And clearly it's had an effect on Harry Roseman. It's had an effect on his decision-making. It's had an effect on, you know, just the way he's, you know, moved throughout this organization. I mean, you, again, you could probably tell a lot more than me, but, you know, what's been your thoughts on Harry Roseman and uh, Nick Sirianni's Nick Sirianni's relationship, and to, you know, again, you got here in 2016, right, John? Um, I was here before, but I started covering the Eagles in in 2016. So, so basically, you were able to cover the entire Doug Peterson era, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, what differences do you see in Harry Roseman when you compare his relationship to Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni today? Um, Nick, uh, forces you to engage with him. And, um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, oh man. In a good way. Um, okay. You gotcha. know, how he, how he told a, a funny story, um, about, you know, when Nick got hired in the off season, he said, let's, let's hang out. Let's, you know, what do you want to do? Let's hang out. And, and, and how he was like, what? Who? What? <laughs> He's like, you know, Doug's not going to ask Howie to hang out. Uh, you know, uh, Nick's going to have him over to South Jersey and force him uh, to have that relationship. And, you know, he, he's big on, on connecting with people. And to his credit, he connects with people. And he's one of those. We all know them. Those people walk in a room, they have big personalities. They want to engage everybody. Nick Sirianni's one of those people. And, you know, my comparison was because Doug had tremendous success, obviously. Um, you know, Super Bowl in the second year, very similar to what Nick Sirianni's trying to accomplish. Three consecutive uh, playoff appearances. Then he had the one bad season. And there was essentially no mulligan for him because he, you know, the relationships weren't there. And I think more than how it was with uh, Jeffrey Lurie, to be honest, but um, the relationships weren't there. Whereas Nick, you know, that's not going to be the case. So, you know, for people saying, could that happen again? Well, anything can happen, but I don't think so because Nick Sirianna is not going to let it happen. Now, Ultimately, does Nick Sirianni want more power with the more success he has? That I can't answer. You know, a lot of coaches 
go down that route and say, you know what, I deserve more of a say in this and that. Um, and, and nobody can predict a future there. Um, but as far as, as cultivating and, and, and building relationships, and that's the one thing, you know, how he said he's learned a little bit from Nick, you got to work on it. You know, you're married, I'm married. You got to work on relationships, right? You know, you know if you don't, they're, they're not going to go well. And, you know, Howie probably didn't know that in his younger days. And, you know, Andy Reid had the power um, originally when he hired essentially Howie Roseman to G- be GM. So now it's the exact opposite. Howie has uh, more power than Nick. And, you know, this is the way it should be if everything works in concert and this year it's worked in concert. Could it be an age thing? I mean, Doug, you know, he's older, 55 years old, Howie 47. Uh, I believe Nick is 42, 41. So, I mean, could it, you know, could it have simply been like an age thing? Maybe Nick and Howie see themselves more so as, I don't want to say equals, but maybe as peers, whereas Doug kind of had that age over Howie and maybe he kind of felt like, uh, you know, who, who am I to, answer to this guy you know i, I don't know am i am no, i, I think am, am i more, too much into that i think it was more of a success thing you know when he won a super bowl it was like all right you know you know doug had no problem um coming in here and with howie having personnel control um but as you win as you have success and certain things don't go the way you want you start to say, well, why don't I have more control? Why don't I have more power? And that's the risk with every, you know, coach GM relationship, traditional, and now it's a traditional setup where the GM has more power than the coach, whereas it was non-traditional when Andy was here, uh, the coach had more power. Um, you know, you feel, and Howie has said it himself, and 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 he said it again when I talked to him on Saturday uh, before they left for the Super Bowl. You know, one one of the things that he learned um, is that if you're going to fail, you want to fail doing it your way. You don't want to. You don't want to be. You know, not following your convictions. So make no mistake about it. Howie Roseman is in charge of this organization more so than ever before. You know, Andy Weidel left, um, Ian Cunningham left, Brandon Brown left, uh, the personnel people. He gave out the assistant GM tags to Alec Hallaby, who's an analytics guy. Um, and, and, and Joe Lombardi, who's sort of a football ops guy, not personnel people, because he wants, you know, he's making the decisions when it comes to personnel. Is You know, Nick Sirianni is a young coach. That's where it meshes. Nick Sirianni had no power, had no hand, so to speak, to request that. If he wins the Super Bowl, guess what? Then he's got a case to build, 
Will he build that case? Says no. But Doug said no. You know, people change. Things change. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I, I can't help but think about, obviously, Nick Sirianni and Harry's relationship, again, a budding bromance. And is it fair to say that that relationship kind of lent a hand to the construction of this roster and maybe the latitude that Jalen Hurts was given? Um, because we all know, you know, throughout the offseason, Howie was definitely looking to upgrade. We know he had his best with the two first-round picks. We know he was looking into Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. We're not going to pretend like this wasn't the case. I know a lot of fans like well, to do some that. Some people like to do but that. I know some fans like to do that. But the reality is Howie Roseman is always looking to upgrade. But the way Nick Sirianni approaches his relationship building, not just with Howie, but also with the players, is it is it fair to say that maybe Sirianni was that bridge between Jalen and Howie and kind of gave Jalen that latitude to really grow? And I don't know, maybe maybe Nick Sirianni helped Howie have more faith in Jalen, you know, throughout this entire growing process. You know, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Who had more faith in Jalen? Um, that's a tough one. I, I don't know if either was because Jalen's not a Nick guy, by the way. He's not a Sirianni guy at all. He has he he owes him nothing. No, no, he didn't. Um, you know, and Nick has been honest about it. He said sometimes you don't uh, realize what you have until you have it. Because um, Nick wanted Nick wants to play eleven personnel. That's what Nick is as a coach. He wants Philip Rivers. He wants <laughs> you know quick decisions, throwing the football all over the place. I shouldn't say that's what he wants. That's what he wanted when he got here. Um, everybody's got, as a coach, they have their, you know, sort of the way they want the team to look in their minds. And the good coaches are able to adjust and be malleable and build to what they do have. And that's where Nick deserves a ton of credit. But, no, I'm not going to sit here and lie to people and say, um, Nick Sirianni knew Jalen. Nobody in this organization knew about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was, you know, they thought he was a good player. I, I do think it's unfair. You know, I say all the time, look, fans who, who don't want to believe the reality of the Eagles were trying to convince Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, you know, I'm through fighting against those people. They can believe what they want. Um. The Eagles did try to convince those two players multiple times to reconsider uh, Philadelphia. And by the way, that doesn't mean they could have gotten a deal done. There's no way I think Philadelphia offers the same contract to Deshaun Watson uh, that Cleveland ultimately did. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't go to Cleveland for the sunsets, right? <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, you know, even if he would have considered Philadelphia, it doesn't mean he would have been here. But they wanted to to explore those avenues. But one thing that people don't realize is, you know, the Eagles liked Jalen Hurts by that point. They were looking for a home run in their minds, and they felt Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson were home runs. Now, people can scoff at that now because Russell had a bad season in in Denver, and we'll see how he rebounds under Sean Payton. Sean Watson, obviously not playing for two years, struggled. Uh, we'll see how he rebounds as well. Um, but they like Jalen enough to say no to Justin Fields. 
They like jailing it up to say no to Kenny Pickett. I said, we're not interested in bringing in another young quarterback, and we don't know if he's got that kind of work ethic. We don't know if he's got that kind of capability uh, to learn. Um, so they were willing to consider home runs, but they weren't willing to consider doubles. Because let's be honest, mm. Justin Beals has – a better skill set than just about everybody, but he's not a good quarterback, at least right now. I never saw, you know, I got to see him up close. Phenomenal runner, but I mean, I've never seen a slower decision maker. I mean, he holds on to the football. He's he, he's not ready uh, to play at this level at a high level. Um, so I think the Eagles were right. I think they were right about Kenny Pickett. Um, he would not have been an upgrade over Jalen Hurts. So they do deserve some credit for saying, no, this this kid's got this kid's doing well. Just, you know, I always call Russell Wilson was the white whale of this organization. They missed out on him back in the back in the draft, and 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 they always felt, man, if we would have had him, we would have had multiple Super Bowls. And Russell's changed over the years. Let's be honest, you know, yeah. he's kind of a, a little flaky these days, um, <laughs> to be to be honest. So um, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah, you bring up a good point because, yeah, sure, you can bet on a guy like Justin Fields or Kenny Pickett, but you see the way Jalen approaches the game. You see how he approaches preparation and – uh, just becoming a better quarterback. And you don't want to leverage that level of work ethic just because you want to bank on another guy maybe being slightly better. But again, you know what Jalen Hurts is. And you can look at Justin Fields and Kenny Pickett and say, uh, I don't think those guys have what this guy has. I, I think I'll take my chances with a guy like Jalen Hurts. And that's kind of one of the things that I, I kind of want to touch on with you, John. Like, you know, a lot of people, they a lot of people, again, no one saw this level of Jalen Hurts coming this soon. We all knew he would improve. We all knew that, but we didn't know how much. And we also didn't know how much latitude this organization would give him. How, you know, how patient would they be? But he's automatically just smashed all those, all those concerns. But when you know when it comes to Jalen Hurts, a guy who he may not be the most flashy player, right? You know, when you think about his his rushing statistics, right? He doesn't average like seven, eight, nine yards a carry like a Fields or a Lamar Jackson. He averages what four yards a carry. He's kind of literally like a running back at that position. So he's not a flashy runner. He's not a flashy thrower. He's he's he he he's a he's a lunch pail kind of guy. And you know, when you think about when you think about Jalen Hurts, what he his most valuable assets can't really be quantified. They don't really fit into the box score. And I'm curious to know. You know, what's your thoughts on his intangibles? Are they being appreciated enough? And what will those intangibles, what type of impact would it have on this Super Bowl? Well, I think the people that know him appreciate the intangibles. But I think, you know, there's, let's be honest, there's a, you know, our our buddies on this uh, network, on the Jacob Sports Network, you know, Jeff Kerr, Jody McDonald, they're stats guys, right? Um, they don't want to hear about intangibles. You, you've seen me and Jody go at it. Uh, you know, they, what's the numbers? What's the passer rating? What's this? I don't think 
I don't think NFL football is is a statistical based game compared to other sports. Compared it's too to it's, the, the game baseball. is too emotional. It's too much emotion yeah. in the game. Compared to basketball, compared to other professional sports, and you can look at numbers and say, "Oh, this doesn't look impressive." But if you watch the game, you say, "Oh, that was pretty impressive." That kind of sums up Jalen Hurts. You know. 16 and one is 16 and one. Um, you don't see too many quarterbacks go through an NFL season and find a way to win just about every time they step on the field. That's what you're seeing with Jalen Hurts this year as a third year quarterback. He finds ways to win. Doesn't always play great. You know, there are games he's explosive and he, you know, he has his best stuff, and there are other games like um, Arizona and 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 Indianapolis, and and you know Indianapolis might be the best example because he just put that team on his back in the fourth quarter and won the football game. I mean, they weren't doing anything. They weren't doing anything, and Indianapolis was playing well. Their front was playing well. Their front's more talented than people realize, and they were winning that game. And all of a sudden, it was like, it's time. And he just put the team on his back and, and, and got him over the hump. And, and there's, there's something to say for, for someone who realizes, you know, when do I have to put my foot down and, 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 and press the, the gas and put the pedal to the metal? When do I have to rear back? When do I have to do this? When do I have to carry the team? When do I have to let my playmakers... Uh, do it decision making taking care of the football all of these things Jalen Hurts has done at an elite elite level has there been a quarterback in Philadelphia that you could think of in recent history that has had a feel for the game like he does no no there hasn't I mean you know he's like for for old school NBA fans he's like he's like Mo Cheeks it's it's like the mistakes are so rare. Um, it's it's almost, you know, we, when you see one, you start going, oh, what the heck is that? Uh, because he just makes the right decisions um, pretty consistently. Um, but, you know, I, I was talking in the, in the draft when we talk about the Eagles philosophy and people get upset when they take Cam Jurgens over N'Kobe Dean. People like sexy. And what's sexy? Skill position players. But what's sexy amongst skill position players? I just talked about Patrick Mahomes, 5,250 yards. That's sexy, you know. Um, you're, you're never going to be able to convince someone that intangibles are more important than that. And, and you know, that's probably a bad example because Patrick Mahomes is so good. But there are so many quarterbacks who – Kirk Cousins, a guy we bring up all the time. The numbers are outrageous. Um, Jalen Hurts is better than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Not going to throw for 4,000 yards every year, but he's going to win more games. He's going to find a way to win more games. 
intangibles are tough to explain to people that being as I talked about Jordan Davis, you know, you're here all the time, Tone. I, I was worried about that draft pick. Why? Because he wasn't going to put up numbers and I'm already getting that feedback. Oh, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. I talked to Johnson Gannon so much. That position is so important for his defense. So whether it was Jordan Davis before the high ankle sprain or Linball Joseph after the high ankle sprain, the number. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Numbers aren't there. But it's so important for what they do defensively to have a big nose tackle for those five-man fronts. They didn't have one last year. They have one this year. They don't play a lot. They don't put up numbers. People don't realize it, but it opens up things for everybody else. And ever since the day Linball Joseph got here, check out Hassan Reddick's numbers, um, sack numbers. That's no coincidence. You guys are locked in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tone DeShows the Second. We're going to take our first break of the hour. You guys, we appreciate you so much for locking in on the content. We are on the road to Glendale. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl facing off against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, man. So many storylines, so many narratives. I can't wait. I'm over the moon about this game, and I'm just super eager to hear more of what John has to say. John, in, in the next segment, I want to pick your brain about some numbers, even though you and I are not really the numbers, the numbers guys. I kind of want to throw some numbers at you to, to, to get a feel for how you feel about it, because I think these numbers are going to have a direct influence on this game. So keep it locked, you guys. Again, this is Football 24-7 with John McMullen, and I'm your guy, Tone, just a second. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game now streaming on the Six ABC Family of Apps.
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! second man you know i lean a lot on john mcmullen he uh he's one of the most insightful guys in this in, in this game when it comes to just dissecting the eagles uh his approach to it is very uh very unbiased if you ask me and i and I, I don't know if people understand that about you john i feel like people want you to say one thing and when in reality you're you're, you're seeing a, a, a completely different thing it seems like some people are afraid of the reality, especially when you say it, John. I don't know what it is. Um, I I don't know. I think you know, I'm I'm older, obviously, so I came up in a different era of journalism where objectivity was more important. Um, you know, I'm not an Eagles fan. I don't pretend to be an Eagles fan. I think most of of the reporters who who cover the Eagles in a credible fashion are not fans of the team I, th- I just think it's difficult uh to be a fan of a team and be honest about that team i just think you know your your bias seeps in so john you're kind of um, exposing me here <laughs> well you're you're a talk show guy so i've always been now i'm on a lot of shows and i talk but i you're a journalist you, by trade yeah i you know first and foremost it's different you know uh, as you know but if you're going to cover a team on a daily basis, 
you gotta be, you gotta be fair. You gotta be objective and you can't, you know, you can't cheerlead, so to speak, which creates problems because, you know, I, I think a lot of younger fans have grown up with, you know, and they only want to hear positive news. Um, and it, what, you know, when I know I'm, I'm doing my job well, I get all the, oh, you hate the Eagles from <laughs> some people. And then I get it from people like in Dallas or, you know, Kansas City, because it's pretty clear who I'm going to pick in this game. And they'll say, oh, you're just a homer for the Eagles. You know, so you're doing something right. I mean, this team is good. I, I, they're good. There's nothing I can do to tear this team down. They're good. Um, if they weren't good, I'd tell you. And when they haven't been good, I, I told you. Um, but this team right now is the best team in football. And I think it carries a little bit more weight from people that are objective than people who aren't and always say, no matter what, Oh, the Eagles are going to win. The Eagles are this. The Eagles have the best this. They're the best at everything. That's not true, but they're very good this year. It's funny you say that. You know, I want to get in, I want to get into some numbers, some stats that really displays how good the Philadelphia Eagles have been. And you know, th- this is also going to lean more so into why the Kansas City Chiefs have been so good as well, right? Um, and this is a category that in my opinion, is probably the most important in football, maybe one of the most important in football when you judge how good a team really is. And it's third down conversion rate. Now, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, right, uh, on defense, they they were 10th in the league in the po- in opponent third down conversion rate. Um, they were ranked uh, They were ranked 10th at 38%. Not bad. And the last three games – they were ranked fourth in the NFL in the in, in opponent third down conversion rate with 31%. So they have improved on third down. Now, some may say that San Francisco game was a bit of an outlier because of the circumstances. Obviously, they lost the quarterback. They had Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback. So that that kind yeah, of – Yeah, I'm one of those people. That's, yeah, I know, uh, I, know, I, I know, and that's why you're not a numbers yeah. guy. You, you you add the context. But, you know, I, I it, it's all going to make sense once I, you know, once I finish wrapping it up and putting, you know, putting a bow on it for you. Um. And you think about the Kansas City Chiefs, their offense throughout the season, they've been ranked second in terms of third down conversion rate. And uh, that's at a 49% clip. And in the past three games, uh, they're ranked fourth in third down conversion rate with 51%. So they've technically improved in terms of converting their third downs on offense. Um, The Eagles have improved in terms of defending uh, the third down. You know, how important will – you know, third down B in this game, right? Because, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not really the best team defensively on third down either. Um, and the Eagles, they are pretty good on third down offensively. So just for both teams, offensive, defensively, like speak on just the value of third down and just how, how, how much of an impact would that have on this game? Well, I mean, situational football is everything. Right. Uh, it's the most important down in football unless you're going on fourth down and the Eagles uh, do that more often than most and and certainly are are very aggressive in in that type of instance but so I mean in an individual game yeah it's tremendously important uh, to win 
um, third downs to win red zone battles, all, all those kinds of things. Um, but I, I do think, and, and we see it every week and for whatever reason, I think, you know, people put too much emphasis on what happened the week before. And I always go back to Jim Schwartz telling me games have personalities and, um, you know, one of the things I laughed about is the the Kansas City Buffalo playoff game from last year, um, last season, which was that you know overtime game where everybody overreacted and they changed the rules. But you remember that narrative around the league, and this is this wasn't just fans, Tone. It was even people who covered the league inside the league oh, you can't deal with Mahomes or Josh Allen. Nobody in the league. You got to be able to outscore. No, you don't. In fact, that's dumb. Um, There's a a million different ways to, to win a football game. And the Eagles tried to show you every one of them this year because they won games so many different ways. And that's when we talk about, you know, what's better having an identity, like you know what Kansas City is. You know what they have to do to win the game because they have to win the game with their top-heavy players, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, great and havoc on defense. The Eagles, they might win with A.J. Brown going off. They might win with Jalen Hurts in the running game. They might win with Miles Sanders in the running game. They might win because Hassan Reddick wrecks the game on defense. Or maybe it's one of the corners, um, you know, the savvy corners, Slay and Bradbury picking a pass off, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, they could win so many different ways. You know, what's better? You know, in theory, you need an identity to be consistent. Well, the Eagles have been the most consistent team. They don't really have an identity other than, they're going to beat you. I think their identity is that offensive line, right? You know, just their shared dominance at the line of scrimmage. If I had to really pinpoint an identity on this yeah, team, yeah, yeah, probably. It's definitely, it's definitely, uh, a, it's definitely sides, a trenches. Both sides, offensive, yeah. defensive uh, line. But that's not what people think of. You're right, right, but that's not what people talk about. Like, what's your identity on offense? It's, um, um, they don't say. Well, Jordan, my lot of pancake and. Uh, Nick Bosa, you know, they don't say that. Maybe it's not an identity, but maybe it's a mentality, you know? Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. I mean, I've talked about that offensive line constantly. You know, the Giants upset Minnesota, and everybody's like, wow, Dexter Lawrence. Did you see Dexter Lawrence in that game? Dexter Lawrence was phenomenal in that game. Showed up in Philadelphia. I don't know. I noticed him a couple times on the fa- field. I didn't notice him at all. I, no- I noticed I, him at the. I noticed him at the coin flip. That's about it. Yeah, barely <laughs> B- noticed him. BG was barking at him the whole time. <laughs> Nick Bosa is going to be the defensive player of the year, deservedly so. Sorry, Eagles fans, um, because it's a regular season award, and he had the best regular season. And um, you said, "Wow, you know, Nick Bosa against an injured Lane Johnson. That might be a problem." Not a problem at all. Um, 
And here we are this week uh, with Kansas City leading up to the Super Bowl. Chris Jones, you know, has been dominating in the playoffs. And you say, ooh, how are you going to deal with Chris Jones? Well, you know, history is it passed this prologue. They're going to have no problem with Chris Jones because they have the best offensive line in football um, and the defensive line as well. You know, people are going to – this is spelled out here, right? What are people going to say, Tone? Oh, you got to blitz. You got to blitz. You got to be aggressive. I've been telling people all week, put that in the pocket. You can start that week one of next year. You got plenty of time to do that. The last thing you want to do against Patrick Mahomes is blitz. Um, you know, you got 70 sacks in the regular season. I think we're up to 78 now in the postseason uh, with the Eagles. You know, do what you do. Don't change your philosophy uh, and, and dominate on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, and we'll see how it shakes out. But um, their identity is doing whatever it takes to win a football game. And that's a pretty good identity. So in a game like this, Super, Super Bowl 57, with both teams having starkly different approaches to winning a football game, and we've already established with the Philadelphia Eagles – the identity is do what it takes, right? But they don't really have a, a concrete identity, like we've said, but we know it's really a mentality with this team. And we know, obviously, with the Chiefs, their identity is Patrick Mahomes or or bust. <laughs> so in a game like this, what's what's more valuable? You know, what, what will be the last man standing? You know, what would be the last thing standing? Uh, identity or mentality? What, what's more valuable in a game like this? Identity or mentality? Um... Look, I, I'm. It's never a bad thing to have the best player. Never a bad thing to have the best player. Um. So, you know, if if whatever comp you want to make, starting pitcher in baseball, if you got an ace who's going to go nine innings and give up one hit, you're going to be in good shape. If you got Michael Jordan or LeBron James out there. And they they have a good game. You're going to be in really really good shape. Um, if Patrick Mahomes shows up and and plays at his top tier level, you're going to be in pretty good shape. You're always going to be in pretty good shape. Um, I used to say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I you you probably heard me call Green Bay the most spoiled fan base in America for many years because they had. Over a quarter century, 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, unabated. That's spoiled. Um, at their height, they thought they were going to win every game because they had the best quarterback every single game. That's where Kansas City is right now. I just went down the numbers with you. Wins and losses, championship games, Super Bowl appearances. They think they're going to win every game because they have the best player at the most important position. They should think that way. Um, doesn't mean you win every game, though. If you did, Aaron Rodgers would have 10 rings. He doesn't. He's got one. Um, there's more ways to win a football game. And that goes back to you know why I value you know Jalen Hurts so much at the quarterback position because – 
you know, again, I'm a I'm a narrative guy. You know, I'm a I'm a storyline guy. You know, that's the kind of things I lean on in this thing. I'm not really not really I don't get too deep into the X and O's. You know, I, I lean on other guys for that. Um, but, you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts, he just his approach to the quarterback position, especially this season. You know, obviously he's made jumps in completion percentage. You know, he's made jumps in deep deep ball accuracy and all the different metrics that you want to grade a quarterback in he's made jumps in those categories right but you know his his mindset the way he approaches his press conferences the way he approaches his teammates you know he's he's kind of like the young og out there right he's like he, he's like the young veteran you you forget the kids 24 yeah, he doesn't act like he's twenty four at all. You know, even his music, say, even his music taste isn't the age. Isn't no, twenty four year old? No, it isn't. Old. You know, he, he, you know, Anita Baker and and so forth. Yeah, he's an old soul. I've called him that. You know, a lot. Um, yeah, he's 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 weird almost. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it. You know, Chauncey. Uh, Gardner Johnson um, acts like you expect, and you know Chauncey's twenty five. Right. Um, he acts like you expect a twenty five year old NFL player to act. Uh, just incredible cockiness and self assuredness, and you know bordering on overbearing uh, <laughs> when you're a star player. And he's not the star that Jalen has turned into. Um, Jalen is, um, yeah, I don't know how many times he, it, it, it's tough to make comparisons because you don't meet 24 year olds who are that mature. I, you know, it's, it's rare to say the least. Yeah, it's it's permeated through the roster. And I think it's even changed the way the other players approach their work ethic, right? You know, we've seen a career year by Miles Sanders, um, you know, with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, Jalen Hurts' play style has a lot to do with that. But um, I think I think just Jalen Hurts' commitment to himself, his commitment to his teammates has permeated through his roster. And I think he had in one of his press conferences, I think it was after the Steelers game, where he basically said, I don't, I don't really get into talking about myself, but I'm starting to see this team take shape into, you know, what I – wanted to be it's starting to take shape into my identity i'm not sure if that's the game or not um but you know i think about guys like miles sanders who's taking their game to another level kenny gainwell in my opinion who has stepped up big time in his playoffs averaging uh six yards a carry right now in these playoffs you know and whatever opportunities he has gotten you know i want to you know i want to shift gears a little bit um leaning more on kenny gainwell you know his emergence in his playoff run you know does it make it that much easier for this team to kind of part ways with Miles Sanders in the offseason after they win the Super Bowl. See what I did there? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think they're going to move on from Miles um, just because of their philosophy. I, I don't think it, it has anything to do with Kenny Gainwell. Mm. Um, I think, you know, they'll draft another running back and Kenny will get an opportunity to compete um, I think they look at Kenny Moore's a third down and hurry up back. Again, we get back in the stats thing. Like, you know, his numbers are great, but what do they mean? The games were over. And, you know, if, if, if they were close games, Miles would have played more. Um, they had an opportunity in the second half to sort of, all right, we'll take it easy with certain players. Miles was in that category. 
Um, and he and Boston Scott got a little bit more opportunity than they typically would. Now, Kenny's always going to play in third downs and hurry up because he's a better receiver. Um, and they do like his ability in short yardage, which is kind of strange because he's just got a natural feel for it because he's an undersized guy. But I don't think they're saying, oh, because Kenny Gainwell had some nice numbers and blowouts against the Giants in San Francisco, we're going to move on from Miles Sanders. I think they're going to move on from Miles Sanders because they got to pay a ton of players and they value other positions more than they value running back. They think they can get a running back who can be similar, especially with Jalen Hurts helping them as the plus one, who can put up similar uh, numbers and have similar efficacy as, as Miles Sanders. So I think that's the reason why they're less likely to re-sign Miles Sanders more than Boston Scott did this or Kenny Gainwell did that, if that okay. makes sense. No, no, I, I, I follow you. I follow you. We have a few minutes left in the show. I kind of want to uh, end it on this note. I want to touch base on the skill position guys uh, in, in this Super Bowl um, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be going up against two rookies, Trent McDuffie and uh, Legereus Sneed. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I know Trent McDuffie's the rookie. Uh, I'm not sure if Sneed is or not. I just want to make sure, I, but I know he's a young guy. Um, but yeah, he's AJ banged Brown, up too. Sneed is banged up, but right with you the, know he's right with the concussion, right? Yeah, um, he's well, gonna, I think, I think he's dealing with a knee injury as well. But yeah, he, oh, had, okay. his, he had a concussion. Um, he. Uh, has a knee injury as well, but he's their best corner. He's he, uh, he was like a third or fourth round pick. And Trent was drafted, ago. I think, in the first round. Uh, yeah, no, no, Trent, no, I'm sorry. Karloffis was first, then Trent was second, right? Uh, yeah, and and Karloffis is a big part of their defensive line, but he hasn't played that well, to be honest. Um, Sneed's their best corner. He's in his third year, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. But he is a young player. Um, did have a good season. Um, very can, long corner, but you know, can AJ and Devontae exploit ex- exploit those guys in, in, in their inexperience? Oh, sure. I mean, that's you know, that's arguably the best receiver tandem in the NFL this season. Uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Now, AJ hasn't been healthy. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people say just like Sneed's banged up, AJ's been banged up. Okay. Um, Jalen's banged up. Jalen Hurts is banged up. Everyone's banged up. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, they haven't been working at an optimum level when it comes to the passing game. But again, it works both ways. When I talk about, I didn't learn much about those two playoff games other than I already knew the Eagles were a really good team. I didn't learn much from the numbers because they're blowouts. You know, are they not throwing the ball because they're winning 38 to seven and 31 to seven, or are they not throwing the ball because Jalen's shoulders banged up? AJ, AJ's hip is banged up. What are the reasons? Probably a little bit of both part blowout part they're banged up and they're trying to protect him a little bit because AJ Brown doesn't need traffic when you're up 38 to seven, when you're up 31 to seven, you don't need it. Just get out, 
with everybody as healthy as possible. Final question before we close the show. Knowing that you're going up against a young secondary, is it hard for Nick Sirianni and Shane Stike and his play callers to not become overeager um, to try to exploit those guys and lean too much on the, on the, on the passing game? Now, one thing I love about Shane Stike, and uh, he is just going to do what you you allow him to do. And Green Bay is probably the best example of this. You know, he went into that game thinking he was going to throw the ball um, a little bit, and they just would not – they couldn't stop the run. They wouldn't adjust and add an extra body, and he was surprised, to be honest. And he said, all right, you're not going to do it. I'm going to keep running it down your throat. Um, but by and large, the, the philosophy is – and most teams, the Eagles are no different than most teams. It's a little bit different from the old school mentality. It's, it's you pass to get the lead and then you run to win the game. Um, and that's generally the Eagles' philosophy. It kind of boils down to that. And that's why you see them pass the ball early, and then they run it late when they have the big leads. And depending on, on what the narrative is for a certain people, they'll say, oh, they ran it this many times. Again, context. Why'd they run it this many times? Oh, they were up 38 to 7. Jody always asked me, what's the run pass ratio going to be? Tell me the score in the fourth quarter. I'll tell you exactly what the run pass ratio is going to be. I truly admire how consistent you are, John. Um, I know it's hard to be to be that consistent it's these not, days. Man. Because <laughs> it's not hard to be consistent. It's not, it's not hard at all because it's it's true. Tell me what the score is in the fourth quarter. And that's how the run pass ratio shakes out. Well, hopefully the score is in the Eagles' favor heading into the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 57. And you guys, we appreciate you for continuing to stay engaged on Jacob Sports. We're giving you guys an entire full slate of content all throughout the week. It's Super Bowl week, you guys. The Philadelphia Eagles, your Philadelphia Eagles are facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the matchup you guys deserve. We waited a long time for this. Two Super Bowls in five years. Hey, listen, man, if they bring it home, oh, man, oh, man, Broad Street is going to be on fire. But make sure you guys make it home safely. We got to put the right energy into the universe, okay? So, man, John, I appreciate you as always, my man. You do great work. I consider you to be one of the most plugged in, one of the best guys uh, covering the Philadelphia Eagles, man. And, um, you know, I do not take uh, our budding bromance uh, for granted. So uh, you guys have been gotta locked work in. Got to work at it. Got to work at it. Exactly. Uh, you guys have been locked in on football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields the second. We'll see you guys tomorrow, first thing in the morning. Take care. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 